This year, the Delaware General Assembly successfully advanced numerous police and criminal justice reforms. While measures were taken, including several recommendations from the Law Enforcement Accountability Task Force to address thousands of marginalized residents statewide, the Delaware Legislative Black Caucus' biggest accomplishment was making ground with its Justice for All agenda that was originally unveiled in 2020. This week, Representative Sherry Dorsey Walker and Representative Kendra Johnson walk us through the list of laws that encourage fair treatment in the criminal justice system and more. From the Delaware House Democratic Caucus, you're listening to Whip Count. Thank you everyone for listening to Whip Count, the one and only podcast where you can hear from Delaware legislators and get up close and personal with them. In the studio this week, we have Representative Kendra Johnson, who is the chair of the Legislative Black Caucus. And we also have Representative Sherry Dorsey Walker, but I wanna start with Representative Kendra Johnson. Please, let's talk about the Justice for All agenda that was unveiled late last year or probably mid last year in 2020. Uh, you guys accomplished a lot. Let's start there. Uh, how proud are you that you guys made several, several steps to checking things off of your list? Wow. Um, I, I, I think saying that we are proud um, really is, is an understatement. Right. And it's an understatement because so much work has been done. So yes, we're 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 proud and we're hopeful and 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 at the same time, we know that so much more work still has to get done. I mean, we started this this journey of the justice for all agenda uh, June 2020. And I remember all of us, you know, all of our colleagues, uh, Rep. Dorsey Walker, Senator Brown, Rep. Minor Brown, uh, Rep. Chakocha, and Representative um, Cook. Like, and 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 at that time, I believe the caucus. It was just it was nine of us at that time. Of course, today there's twelve of us, but nine of us stood on the steps at Leg Hall to unveil or reveal this package of legislation that we called then our Justice for All agenda. And we all know that it came out as a result of what was happening in the country and across the country um, at that time. And what, what is still really remarkable for me about that that day, a hundred degree, hundred degrees outside on the steps, and it's just, it's just over, it's oppressively hot, and and the, all of the emotions that we're all feeling after watching George Floyd die on on TV and social media in front of our very eyes, everything that we're feeling is is just unbelievable and so very heavy, but yet at the same time, what is vividly etched in my mind is all of our peers who stood on those steps with us 
not really knowing what we were going to say, what we were going to do, what, what legislation was going to be pushed, put forward, but to say, I may not know it, I may not understand what it means to live in your black skin, but guess what? I'm going to stand shoulder to shoulder with you. And they did. One bill that stands out and Representative Dorsey Walker, you can pretty much discuss this one is the bill that you introduced, House Bill 195, requiring law enforcement officers to wear and use body-worn cameras to record interactions with the public. That, that's a big one. Thank you so much for having us and to our chair, Representative Kendra Johnson. She is amazing. I would like to share that in 2020, we did have eight members of the Black Caucus, and I believe Rep. Johnson was referencing the ninth member as our Lord and Savior because we could not do any of this work without <laughs> yes. guiding us. And ultimately, with House Bill 195, that was a collective effort. Yes, I introduced it along with Senator Brown as the prime in the Senate. However, we collectively as a Black caucus worked feverishly on that piece of legislation to ensure its passage. And as a, as a result of we, the Black caucus working together, we were able to pass that bill unanimously both in the House and in the Senate. Where do we go from, from here? Because I understand the governor signed the bill about a month ago, or maybe two months. This summer is flying by. And so when will we see these cameras? Can you go into that? Outstanding question. The Co Council on Police Training, COPT, as I shall refer to it as we go forward, they met last week and they're meeting again today and COPT will continue to meet to put together the policy for the actual body worn cameras for the agencies that do not currently have them because we want to ensure that we have a uniform, excuse me, a uniform policy up and down the state for the police. We don't want it to be one way in Wilmington, another way in Newcastle County, another way in Seaford, another way in Bridgeville, another way in Dover. We want that uniform policy for our officers. And that was something that the policing community insisted upon as we were working on that piece of legislation along with the community. And I would like to share that this piece of legislation, we worked with the attorney general's office, we worked with the community, and we worked with the police. We met with all 48 policing agencies up and down the state. And it was unprecedented. It was interesting we were meeting with the different policing agencies and speaking with the chiefs and they're like, I can't believe you're actually calling us this is Bridgeville or this is Selbyville or, and it, it was like, listen, you all matter. Everyone matters. And when we called Ellesmere, it was interesting. They have an amazing chief and we just had a great conversation because Chief Giles, she's, she's actually, I believe the first female to ever serve as chief in Ellesmere. So it was great having those necessary conversations with public safety and knowing that on January 15th of 2022 that that policy will be in place and implemented properly. You know, several measures represent some significant advancement 
in reforming how law enforcement operates in Delaware. House Bill 243 is one which ends the practice of publishing juvenile mugshots for most offenses. Uh, would you ladies want to discuss the impact of that? Yeah, sure. You know, so this this piece of legislation, um, I, I believe, is Representative uh, Franklin Cook as well as Senator Brown. And and just think about it for a moment. Um, disseminating and publishing juvenile mugshots, just how absolutely horrifying that has to be, not only for the family or families, but for that. That, that juvenile and what kind of trauma is created as a result. So for me, like this, this is, it's life-changing. And there are a few other thoughts and feelings that I have as it relates to um, those who generally end up having their mug shots throughout the newspaper or social media or, or on, you know, on television. Um, you can read between the lines with that, but, you know, oftentimes it is uh, those marginalized individuals and their families who are impacted, who are already suffering from trauma, the trauma of just trying to live in their marginalized lifestyles and bodies. Then we have House Bill 215, and, and I know uh, some of these bills were introduced and, and, and supported by many of your colleagues, but let's discuss House Bill 215, uh, requiring law enforcement to electronically record custodial interrogations, which is just as important as the body-worn cameras. Uh, Sherry, would you like to, to chime in? Absolutely. Representative Johnson covered it quite eloquently. When we're talking about mugshots and we're talking about recording our juveniles, it is imperative that we protect the most vulnerable of our communities, and that's our children. It's our children and our elderly. And we want to ensure that when our children come in contact with police, that it is not necessarily, it doesn't necessarily have to be a negative encounter. And these recordings can kind of be helpful in these next steps that need to take place. Granted, the person or child may have done something to be in what they may call the box, okay? However, at the end of the day, our child is still a human being and our child deserves respect. And just as the officer reserve, deserve, excuse me, deserves respect and honor. And it has to be reciprocal. And those recordings will start to help us to create the society that we want to see as it pertains to our children and the policing community. I think what, what would also help is Senate Bill 147 that creates an objective use of force standard for Delaware police officers by stipulating that the use of both lethal and non-lethal force is legally justifiable only if that belief is determined to be reasonable uh, and, and so much more. I was grateful to prime that with Senator Marie Pinckney. 
and to have the support of the legislative, the Delaware Legislative Black Caucus and support from several other members of our caucus and to have support on the other side of the aisle too. The use of force eliminates chokeholds completely in the state of Delaware, making them illegal. And I'm not going to pretend to know what an officer endures when he or she is doing their job and doing it well. But I shall say this, it was officers who stated that that needed to change, that policy needed to change. Yes, the community stated it as well, but there were many officers who came forward and said, we are for police reform. These are things that we should not be doing. These are things that will help us weed out the bad apples because so often narratives get created about communities, about police, about whomever. And coming from a community where a narrative is created before I even walk through the door, I kind of understand what officers, what they endure, not so much on the streets. I'm not even pretending to say that I understand what they endure on the streets. I'm talking about when the narrative gets created. We have some outstanding officers up and down our state. And I can speak about what I know, as my mother would say. Wilmington police, anytime I have called them, I have had a need, they respond. Newcastle County Police, anytime there's been a need, and no normally Newcastle County doesn't necessarily come into the city, but if there's something where a situation where a constituent out in the county needs to reach out to the county police, they've been helpful. But I can speak about Wilmington Police extensively. I can speak about the community policing. I can speak about the officers who have a willingness to go into the lion's den to get things situated. Those are the officers who deserve praise. And those are the officers who helped us create this legislation with use of force. And they also were very involved with Senate Bill 148. And that's the Civil Rights Bill. And that's the bill that states, and I sponsored that with Senator Pinckney, Senator Pinckney as well along with the Legislative Black Caucus. And that is the bill that states that when an officer comes in contact with a constituent, that the officer is to divulge the ethnicity the, and the gender of the individual because officers don't necessarily want that bad tag on them that they're just targeting certain communities. Now, if there's crime in certain communities, obviously there's going to be more of a police presence. But when you have officers in the community working together on Senate Bill 147, Senate Bill 148, and House Bill 195, just to name a few, as well as House Bill 243 and House Bill 215, we're making progress. And that's the thing of which I'm the most proud. Yeah, and you know, we're also making progress in the Equal Rights and Protections Department. I'm looking right now at, at Representative Kendra Johnson with her beautiful crown. I love her hair. This is a great opportunity to talk about the Crown Act that prohibits hairstyle discrimination, something that people or some people probably never gave thought to. So before you answer that question, I want to share what the Crown Act actually stands for. And it stands for creating a respectful and open world for natural hair. Let's dive into that. Wow. Respectful and open world for natural hair. Um, for 
Many people, I am sure, and I've, I've had constituents reach out, reach out to me as well, um, Caucasian constituents who honestly did not understand why this was even necessary. And we, you know, that, that older Caucasian man, he was open to listening and being, uh, being able to, to be empathetic and say, wow, I didn't know. Because when he first reached out, he's just like, that makes absolutely no sense. Why on earth do you all need that? And I'm like, sir, let me explain to you outside mm -hmm. the possibility of discrimination because of my black skin, I will also be discriminated against because of my, my hairstyles, be it kinky, coily, plait, locks, whatever. Because, you know, too many people look at, um, uh, black folks' hair as not attractive, unkept, unprofessional, all of those things. So in the end, um, my constituent and I had a wonderful conversation, but uh, the key is he was open to having that conversation and understanding that his assumptions uh, related to the legislation just were uh, incorrect. And while it offers protections to black people and, and, and brown people, it offers protections to all people, regardless of how you decide to wear your hair. So the Crown Act for me is, I just think about all of our beautiful um, children you know, and that perhaps they won't have to do what I did when I was coming up um, and making the decision of I need to keep my hair, you know, straight or looking this way and I shouldn't go on a job interview with Platts because I'm not going to get, you know, that second call back. Um, so this is, this too is a step in the right direction. And then the last thing is beyond how others perceive you in the workplace because of your hair. The other thing that I know that this will do is it will add another layer of self-worth to our young people to say, not only are you beautiful and divine, so is your beautiful black, coily, locked, curly hair. Also part of the justice for all agenda uh, is Senate Bill 31. Sherry? Yes, ma'am. And that is adding people of color as a protected class to the state's constitution. Senator Brown and I sponsored Senate Bill 31 in the 151st General Assembly, and the 150th General Assembly, we sponsored Senate Bill 91, the same bill, the bill that adds people of color as a protected class to the state's constitution. And the reason why we had to do it twice, whenever you're making constitutional changes, it must take place in two consecutive sessions. Hence, Senate Bill 91 and 150th and Senate Bill 31, January, that we were able to sponsor in conjunction with all of the members of the Delaware Legislative Black Caucus. And those two bills passed unanimously in the House and the Senate as well. Yes, and I know I've, I've had you ladies for some time, but I cannot let you guys go without discussing Juneteenth, which is now a legal state holiday in Delaware. Yes, ma'am. Uh, House Bill 119, a paid state 
permanent legal holiday. We're no, so I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, you don't have to kid on that one. That's a good one. Yeah, I know. Yes, but it is a blessing that we're at a place in our society where people are really starting to understand the contributions of Black people in this country and what we endured as a people and what we continue to endure. And I commend all of our colleagues, members of the Delaware Legislative Black Caucus, each and every member co-prime sponsor that piece of legislation. And for all the members in the House and the Senate, that bill passed unanimously as well. And Senator Brown was also the prime in the Senate on that. And it, it is indeed a blessing when people are starting to turn the corner. It doesn't mean that everything is, we're living in a utopian society, but it does mean that people are starting to understand differences. And It'll take me just really quickly to House Bill 198, and that is the bill adding Black history to the state's curriculum, of which Representative Johnson was a co-prime sponsor, and Senator Lockman was the prime sponsor in the Senate. And just to know that we have members in the House and the Senate who see the significance of adding the history of Black people to the state's curriculum so that our children are learning the real history of Delaware and of the United States of America. Take us back to when you ladies were in school. You know, it, it's, it's something that we all need. And just, just share with us things that maybe have gone through your head when you were in elementary, middle, maybe even high school, were there, were you aware, for an example, of Juneteenth? Oh, heavens. Um, no, I, I was not, uh, not at all. It's, I, I'll, I'll start back to elementary school and go all the way up, you know, to, to high school and elementary school, and actually elementary and middle school, I attended predominantly um, white schools. And what we got, and not necessarily because the, 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 it was predominantly white, it's because that was the system, right? So what you got is the basic education, um, you know, all things related to um, white folks is, is, is great. And they started everything. And oh, by the way, we finally got Martin Luther King, you know, so it was just always the same thing and theme year after year after year. And, you know, that's just how it was. And now we're saying like, one, we should share, we should share the whole history. And while that's how it was, it should not be that way anymore because, you know, we have contributed to the building of this amazing country as well, even outside of this country, you know, from our motherland. We were kings and queens, and that history has to be taught not only to our kids, but to the world. Right, because then perhaps if we begin to see each other um, differently, to see one another as value because you come from a king and queen, then little by little, I think we chip away at all of the isms. So like I had none of that <laughs> and, and, and you know, my, my, my K through 12. If I learned more, it was because it came, I got it at home 
and then eventually being overwhelmed with getting it in college like really yeah uh sherry let's talk about any any final words you want people who are listening to walk away what do you want the take-home message uh, to be when it comes to the justice for all agenda it's an outstanding question the what i would like for our constituents to understand is we are definitely working for you we're doing what you sent us to dover to do and that is fight for all people and as it pertains to Black people, we are in the fight to ensure that we get good results. We're not just fighting just for the sake of fighting. We're fighting for progress. See, we can protest, but then after the protest, there needs to be some progress. And the Justice for All agenda is the direct result of hearing the voices of the protester, the peaceful protesters hearing the cries of our constituency. And it wasn't just black people. There were all kinds of people fighting for justice, especially after the untimely death of Breonna Taylor and George Floyd and many others, countless others. We need our constituency to understand that it is a process and everything does not happen overnight, but we need our constituency to stay in the fight with us and understand that we're not giving up at any point in this journey, but things do take time. It's unprecedented what we were able to accomplish as a Delaware Legislative Black Caucus within one year. And there's more work to be done, but work with us as we work for you. I love it. Representative Johnson. Wow. <laughs> the two. I'm thinking, all right, what do I add to that? Uh, that Representative Dorsey Walker hasn't already said. It's going to be uh, kind of challenging, actually. Um, I, I'll, I'll start with this. And sorry, Representative, I'm adding. I'm going to summarize, but she, she made a comment and it was actually one of the notes that I, I had here for myself when I think about um, the justice for all agenda, as well as the pressures and, and um, you know, from stakeholders and constituents who are like, get it done, do it now, hurry up. And the thing I keep in my mind that keeps me centered, okay, outside of praying and a lot of praying is this, is that justice does not move at the speed of light. And that, that keeps me centered. And for some people, it is extremely frustrating because they want things to happen so quickly. And, you know, I found myself saying, this work is so important to us. We want to get it right the first time. And sometimes quickly isn't always right. So that, that was the first thing. And for those folks who've been along this journey with us, I say thank you. And Rep uh, Dorsey Walker said it, like we need you to do this work with us. We can't do it without you. So please be our partner. Always know that you know we are here to support, to listen and to lift up. And while we have accomplished 
a lot. And we, we only went through maybe six or eight pieces of legislation because we're running out of time. Like a lot has been done and it is unprecedented. It is amazing. But what we know is this, there is still yet a lot more that needs to be done. And you have our commitment that we will continue to push through to, you know, to do the right thing for communities, to, to, to lift up our marginalized people. Um, but again, we can't do it without you. Whip Count is brought to you by the Delaware House Democratic Caucus. Follow us on Facebook at facebook.com slash dehousedems, on Twitter at dehousedems, on Instagram also at dehousedems. More episodes are coming, so make sure you're subscribed.